Hello, and welcome to the Nutrition and Life Podcast. This is where we look at various nutrition and fitness-related topics through the lens of application. We want to give you practical takeaways so that you can create your healthiest, best self backed by knowledge. Now, on to the episode with your host, Coach Lisa. Hello, and welcome back to the Nutrition and Life Podcast. My name is Lisa, I'm your host, and in today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with diet coach, four times published author, host of the Elite Physique University podcast, owner of the apparel and supplement company, Fat Muscle Project, John Gorman. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. This is this is fun. You know, we were just talking before the show started and we linked up and got this put together real fast and you sent over some great topics. So I'm, I'm excited. This is starting my day off for me. So I've got this whole day planned around it. And uh, thanks for having me on. My absolute pleasure. And yeah, for anyone who's not familiar with you or the work that you do as mostly as a diet coach or your um, supplement company, maybe if you want to give us a little bit of a brief background, how you got into it all and um, specifically also what prompted you to start that muscle project. Yeah. So I'm getting up there. I'm about to turn 46. So I, my friends call me old man Gorman, um, not because I'm cranky. I'm, I swear I'm not, but because I'm getting old and I've been, I've been in the industry for quite a while. So I've been a full-time coach and trainer since 2007. And that's really where I cut my teeth. That's, I still do it full-time to this day. I work with probably 50, 50, 60, 40 gen pop to an athlete based population, mostly bodybuilders. I do work with powerlifters. I do nutrition for CrossFitters. I know you have a CrossFit background. Um, I don't. I have never done a CrossFit workout in my life, but it's probably because I've been a bodybuilder for decades. So it's just an accident waiting to happen for me because I don't know the correct way to do it. But long story short, that's really what started everything for me was being a trainer full time. And then as I moved on and and started to learn and keep learning, my client base needed supplements. So I was with a couple of different supplement companies as a sponsored coach and did a lot of big things with them, like help run podcasts and stuff like that. But then when I left um, to start my own supplement company, I wanted to make sure that I had something for my athletes. A lot of them are water tested. They're drug tested because they're natural athletes. And I had to make sure that I had products that were going to fit that standard. And that's what we developed. And we started that Right in the middle of the pandemic, uh, it was May of 2020, it didn't slow us down. It just took off like a rocket ship and it's just been growing since. So we're about to celebrate our third year as a supplement company. We started as an apparel company, um, 2016, myself, my son, and Leslie Franklin. And we went all over the place and set booths up and sold shirts. And my son was 16 at the time, and it gave him a great education into what it takes to build a business. So that's where Fat Muscle Project started. And for those listeners that are wondering, Fat Muscle Project, is, fat is P-H-A-T. That's the good fat, right? Um, <laughs> we're all our own Fat Muscle Project. So that's really what it started for. And it didn't matter if someone was the mom of three, if they're a professional bodybuilder, they're, they're old like me, just someone that's wanting to build your best fat muscle project. You want to look as good as you can be as muscular and lean as you can, but healthy health, especially as I get older has, is the biggest thing that we have to make sure we keep at the forefront of this because, you know, in my twenties, I didn't care. I just wanted to be jacked and leaned. And a lot of people in their twenties are like that. And then my thirties, still more like that. And then all of a sudden here comes health problems. So then you start to really pay close attention to your health. So we try and encompass everything now. 
I love that. And um, for anyone who is not familiar with um, John's work yet, go and check out team underscore Gorman, I believe on Instagram, is it? Um, there are some yeah. incredible physiques on there. I know that you say that you mostly work with general population, but um, yeah, obviously those pictures don't lie. And not just the pictures, obviously there are people that um, win amazing competitions and so on. So uh, super, super cool. Um, now you transferred or you said that health is supposed to be or has to be the base of everything and that's really important to you also for your competitors but I'm I'm curious what would be the main supplements you recommend for general population when it comes to health like maybe three four top supplements and why also yeah um and this is i want to be careful here because i'm not just trying to sell supplements because i own a supplement company i would answer these the same regardless um, i'll leave the one that i designed for last because that one i just got an email i'm about to publish it today um, on socials showing someone's uh, blood levels improved but we'll talk about that one last the first one it's a real interesting one because it's not quote-unquote sexy it's not something that a lot of people get super excited about and that's omega-3 fish oil and a lot of people don't realize that it can do so many things it's not just when you get older i didn't really start paying attention to fish oil till i was in my 40s and my joints hurt but it really helps with your joints but it helps with your cholesterol and your lipid panels you know as as you get older in your 30s you really need to start paying attention to that especially if you put your body through a lot of stress which we do as athletes or just Anyone that works out in the gym more than four, four or five times a week, like up to four or five times, you're an athlete, whether you're a mom and you compete or not, or you're a dad that's just getting back into you, you train like an athlete. So your body goes through stress. So things like fish oil will help that. They'll help your joints recover. They help raise your HDL, which is the good cholesterol, which helps keep your heart healthy. It improves insulin sensitivity, actually. And it's a good source of omega-3s. In our diet, we don't have a lot of omega-3s. We have a lot of omega-6s. So it's hard to get omega-3s unless you're eating, you know, fish, um, eggs, taking fish oil and flax oil actually is one of my go-tos. Um, people worry about flax oil being estrogenic. It's not, don't worry about that. So it, fish oil would be my number one, um, go-to if people are just focused on health. I think everyone should take fish oil, high quality fish oil, not don't get the cheap stuff from Sam's club or Costco, it's, it's cheap for a reason. You want high uh, DHA EPA. So make sure that you get a high quality one. The next one is another. Don't mean to interrupt you, but I'm curious no, go ahead. what kind of ratio between DHA and EPA you generally, you, you aim for in, in your supplement perhaps, but also just overall dosages, what do you recommend? Honestly, it's, you're going to see so many different ratios, but if you can get them both high, I'd like to see both. And at least if you're going to take two capsules, at least make sure it's above six, 700, um, for both or somewhere in that range. And that seems to be good enough. There are some that are well, well over a thousand. If you can afford to pay for that, ours aren't because our client base is just not going to pay $50 for a bottle of fish oil. They're not, um, ours are in that 600 to 800 range. Um, and that that's really, really good. The studies have shown good numbers off of that for everything I mentioned. Awesome. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. And, yeah. and what were some of the other ones? Uh, the uh, One more real quick, uh, a multivitamin. And I think everyone knows that, but it's, it's important to fight free radicals. When you train, your body just gets into a state of breakdown and you need it. Uh, free radicals are released and it helps 
free radicals try and keep your body from getting back to a state of of growing and being healthy, right? Free radicals can slow that down. So things like antioxidants and a multivitamin will help with that. So I think everyone should take a multivitamin, not cheap Centrum stuff from Walmart. Obviously um, you want to make sure that you're getting a high quality multivitamin. And the way to look at that is make sure you look on the labels of your multivitamin and look for something that says either GMP certified or CGMP certified. And that just means that it's done through a place that has a certifications. They double check everything at the end once it's produced and they test those ingredients again. So when a bottle of, of a multivitamin, right, they actually pull it out, they test it and they make sure it's got the exact amount mixed in there that it's supposed to. So make sure you look for GMP or CGMP. And then finally, I developed a product called Hormone Optimizer. And it's something that it's perfect for people that are water tested. It helps raise your testosterone. This is all natural. Raise your testosterone, lower cortisol, and it rid your body of some of the, the bad estrogens because there's a bunch of different estrogens in the body. So it has dim in it. And it just helps you be the leanest, most muscular that you can naturally. It doesn't cause any shutdown. And I have had so many people, especially guys, but it works with women too, avoid having to go on hormone replacement therapy because it's helped raise their testosterone up enough. They don't have to go on medication. And that's one of the reasons why I designed it, but it's great for people that are looking to put on muscle, hold on to muscle when they diet. So hormone optimizer by my company, it's our bestseller. It has been since I launched it. It's um, I'm about to post about it today because someone just, a guy just raised his testosterone for 418 to 766, which is, you know, probably an 80% raise. So it's, it's legit. So that one for health, for sure. That's amazing. Um, if you don't mind, could you go a little bit into the details of the, the contents of this? Yes. Does it contain ashwagandha or anything yes. like that? So the, the way that I design this, and this is, if people want to listen to this part, especially for how to raise your testosterone levels, these ingredients will help with this. So I, I, a lot of natural test boosters, they just throw the kitchen sink at you and try and raise testosterone. Most people have lower testosterone because their cortisol is too high. So if you train a lot in the gym, um, CrossFit actually is one of the hardest things on your body with elevated cortisol because you train body parts numerous times a week. You know, you, you might hit legs five days a week, you know, just a little bit, but you know, if you're a bodybuilder and you're training in there constantly five, six days a week, trying to grow your cortisol is high. Well, so what happens when your cortisol is really high, your body has to make more cortisol. So it makes less of other hormones such as testosterone and thyroid hormone, which slows your metabolism. So cortisol is necessary, but for it to be chronically high, that's where we see people run into problems with hormones. Um, it's especially hard on females. Males are a little bit more resilient when it comes to cortisol uh, female, your hormone profiles are, are, um, they're a little more fragile because you have to go through all these different phases, right? So cortisol really hits you all hard. So it's been especially important to them. So anyway, we lower cortisol. That's the first thing with ashwagandha KM 66, 600 megs. It's a heavy dose. 
And, and then we do things to boost testosterone with deaspartic acid, chrysin. Chrysin's it's it's not a big banger of a ingredient, but it does work. There was there was some pretty promising research, but deaspartic acid works really well to help naturally raise. It's just an amino, help naturally raise uh, testosterone levels. So it's kind of a one-two punch: lower cortisol and try and boost testosterone at the same time because you have to work with how the body is going to respond. And that's why we've gotten so many good results. So that's that's the the crux of it. There, there are other other things in there like boron that help raise your free testosterone, but um, those are the main two things that really drive it home. Awesome, cool. Thank you for the explanation. Yeah. And I'm curious in terms of performance, since you did mention you also have uh, or you also work with competitors competitors of various kinds. Um, what would be the three supplements? you mostly recommend for competitors or for performance? Yeah. So creatine monohydrate is probably the number one for someone who is training hard, trying to gain muscle. If you're trying to improve important performance, creatine is it's the cheapest, most researched product. Now I say cheapest because of COVID it's just went through the roof and thank goodness we have a nice line on creatine monohydrate. So we don't suffer from it, but a lot of companies they're having to sell it for like 55 bottles at tub for a hundred servings. It's crazy, right? But it's still the best product that you can take. It's great for cognitive function. First of all, it helps, especially in the elderly, uh, helps cognitive function, helps you remember things as you get older. Um, but performance wise, it's outstanding. And I know there are a lot of people that hear creatine. They think, I don't want to get heavy. I don't want to get bloated. I don't want to get watery but it's a cell volumizer, meaning it grabs water and pulls it inside the muscle cell. So you don't hold it under your skin. You hold it in the muscle where you want. So it makes you explosive, stronger. Um, and honestly, the more water and everything you have inside the muscle cell, the more anabolic, meaning the more it's going to grow. So creatine is just outstanding. I think everyone should take creatine. I take it every day. One scoop, which is five grams is great for everyone. You don't have to load it. You don't have to cycle off of it. It's just outstanding. So that's one. Um, citrulline is an interesting one for many reasons. Citrulines in most pre-workouts, you'll see you want at least six grams. Citrulline malate and citrulline are the two things that um, are usually combined together. One helps drive down lactic acid. So when you get to those really hard end reps and your muscles are burning, CrossFit's a great example. I'm going to keep talking about CrossFit, right? Um, but in bodybuilding, in the high rep ranges, that lactic acid burns up. It helps you push a little bit farther because it helps knock the lactic acid down a little bit. And citrulline itself helps open up blood vessels. So you get better blood flow to the muscle, more oxygen, more blood, more nutrients, faster recovery. And then a, a nice little side option, and I've got it in my shaker cup right here. I've got citrulline mixed with some other stuff. It helps lower your blood pressure. Now, if you've got healthy blood pressure, it's not going to lower it to where it drops. So don't let that scare you. But for people that are older, if you have a little bit higher blood pressure, citrulline a couple times a day will help open those blood vessels and drop your blood pressure to a healthy level. So I do it twice a day. Um, just I just have genetically high blood pressure. So sometimes I can run 140, 150, even if I drink too much caffeine, 160. So I've gotten off, I've gotten off blood pressure meds and I take citrulline twice a day. So we have a non-stem pre-workout called Bulletproof. It has it in there. And then I add a little extra citrulline myself. So that's another one. So there I've named what, two? Yes. I do have a follow-up question on the citrulline. Um, yeah. With creatine, I'm 
well familiar and on the same page that um, obviously you don't need to cycle on or off or load or anything like that. Um, with citrulline, I'm not as familiar with. So I'm curious, is that something that you build up a tolerance to over time and you should come off of it every now and then, or is it just as well um, safe to continue taking it? Yeah. As of right now, there's been no research to suggest that we need to come off of it and cycle it. We don't really build up a tolerance. Um, now, always stay up with the research because sometimes there'll be new findings every five to 10 years. It seems to be we we learn a little bit more or the stance changes. But citrulline should be something that you shouldn't ever have any problems with um, having to cycle on or off. And then uh, the third one. So this is this is one that most people are not going to do. And it's been a massive game changer for performance for my clients over the years. I've been doing this since 2010 and that's intra-workout carbs, drinking carbs while you train. We developed ours. It's called performance fuel. Uh, we actually have a CrossFitter on the cover doing a deadlift. Her name's Leslie. Uh, she helped start the company, but we have, it's, it's, it's hard in CrossFit to stop and drink a bunch of stuff because you're trying to move from workout to workout and exercise to exercise. But for everyone else, drinking carbs while you train does a number of things. It helps, um, recovery between sets. It's kind of like if you have a race car and you just open, instead of waiting for the gas to go all the way through the car and through all these different things to get to the motor, to combust, to give the, the, the motor energy, right? Imagine if you just open the hood and you just dump gas straight into the motor. Well, that's what drinking carbs during a workout will do because when you're training, you, you drink fast acting carbs. Ours has dextrose, maltodextrin, and cyclic dextrins. It gets into your bloodstream. Some of that bypasses digestion. It just absorbs immediately. So you get immediate energy. So your reps, you become stronger. You have more energy between sets. Soreness seems to be knocked down. And that's just something that we've all seen anecdotally for a long time. Um, not a lot of research on that, but I mean, when you're seeing it anecdotally, you are. And it's just better. You know, strength athletes, it helps them, power lifters, but it just improves everything overall. And you have better workouts. So all that translates to more muscle gain, more better performance. I can't, I can't stress it enough. I have my folks take essential amino acids and they drink that during with about women. I suggest about 20 carbs during their training, guys about 30. You, you don't need a ton. You should have glycogen stored in your body and from the food that you ate before this is a nice little extra boost to drink during your training so mix it in a shaker of you know 20 26 ounce shaker about 20 carbs for women 30 for guys and try that out have it finished about three quarters of the way through your workout and you should have one of the best workouts that you've ever had it's just that good that's awesome thank you for sharing that and also with the dosage um i used to drink a uh, highly branched cyclic dextrin um mm -hmm. during my crossfit times a few years ago and I, I i loved it at the time you know perhaps if you have multiple workouts like you say like in between or um even just throughout your strength sets whatever it might be um so yeah definitely a big fan and and i felt the same way that i just wasn't running out of energy as quickly and I could go for longer, harder, et cetera. So yeah. It's, and, and I think it was just like 20, 25 grams of carbs that I was consuming at the time as well. Yeah. You know, your body has the best insulin sensitivity, the best ability to handle carbohydrates around the workout, but especially during your training. So if you're someone that's a little bit lower on carbs and you're trying to diet, it will make a difference. Your body will utilize those carbs better around your workout or during training than it will 
eight hours later, for example, it's just going to utilize them better. But I was going to say, you talked about um, doing it in between workouts, right? So like some people that compete in competitions and they have like maybe two or three workouts a day, getting that store glycogen put back in, back in, it's good. It's a good idea right after, you know, say a CrossFit competition, for example, right after your first event, have some whey protein and have some fast acting carbs like that. And they're going to store extremely fast and that gets you ready for the next event. So it's, there's all kinds of applications there. It's just one of those things to where if you're dieting, sometimes people, they want to chew their food. And I'm, I'm kind of the same way. Like when you're hungry, you don't really want to drink what tastes just like sugar, basically during your workout, um, you want to save that food and be able to eat it. So if you have the food to work with, give it a shot and see what you think. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. And speaking about performance, I'd like to talk a little bit about um, the the stage competitors that you prep mostly. Um, and I, I'm wondering what sort of character, I guess, and, and also body it takes, in your opinion, to become a successful stage competitor. It's one of those things where if someone's listening and they love working out, and they've built some good muscle and they see, maybe they see a, an Instagram like mine, right? Or they see a friend that's a competitor and they've competed and get on stage. It's very intriguing. It's very, oh, I really want to try that. I want to look like that. So let me preface this first by saying to get on stage and achieve a very lean shredded physique, it's not something that people are going to be able to sustain, first of all. So I want to preface this whole thing by saying that. It looks sexy. It looks awesome. It looks like a cool challenge. And that's the way it was for me when I first got in. But what people don't realize is to get that lean, it really upsets your hormone balance. It's not the healthiest thing in the world. And if it's done too often, it can really lead to a cascade of hormone issues that have to be fixed later, especially, like I said earlier, in females, females that diet that lean, your bodies aren't supposed to be that lean. Like they need a little bit of body fat. They need to have hormones in the right level. You know, you, you, you all make babies and all these things are so important where guys were a little bit more resilient. So I just wanted to preface that by saying, make sure that if you don't understand, you do want to do a show, um, listen to podcasts, listen to topics on it, hire a coach that understands hormones. It's going to talk to you. And that's, there's, there are some of us out there that address the hormone part of the, the process. And we make sure that someone's healthy before they start a prep. And there are coaches that just don't understand it. And there's a lot of coaches out there and those bring anybody on and just try and get them shredded and run them through the ringer. They're not trying to hurt anyone. They just don't know. And that just comes with time and experience. Um, so with that being said, stepping on stage and thinking about doing a prep, the first thing people need to realize is you've got to have a good base of muscle built because when you look at pictures of whoever you're wanting to be like on stage, right? Um, most people are going to be natural. So there's a whole assisted side to bodybuilding and, and physique sports, the NPC and IFBB. There are a lot of natural athletes over there. Don't get me wrong. But if you want to see what natural athletes look like, look at some of the natural federations like the NAMBF, one of my favorites. There's the WNBF. There's the PNBA, there's a whole list of them. Just type in natural bodybuilding, right? Or message me here. I'm glad to send you links. Look at those physiques and that will give you an idea of what they look like shredded. Now, most people to get to that level of conditioning, you really need to have a lot of muscle on you before you start. If not, 
you're going to lose muscle during everyone loses muscle during a prep because the leaner you get, the less body fat you have to use as energy, your body will start to use some muscle tissue. And it happens more towards the end. In the beginning, you've got enough body fat. You're you're not going to lose a lot of muscle because you have enough body fat to use as fuel, right? And your calories aren't as low as they are towards the end. So you have to make sure you have enough muscle. Um, and a good coach will tell you that. They'll they'll be up front. I have people that email me all the time. Hey, I want to do my first show. And I say, hey, listen, it, it's younger guys are really bad about it. I was. They need more muscle, but they just, man, they just want to be shredded. They want six pack and they want to stand up there. Um, so you've got to make sure that you've got enough muscle. And someone like me will tell you yes or no. I'll be like, hey, you should grow for another year or maybe two years. So that's that's the main thing. People need to go, need, they need to know going in. I think um, even a similar theme applies to a lot of the general population and coaching when a female perhaps comes up and says, hey, I want to look toned and 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 lean and whatever and they want to start with a weight loss phase though um oftentimes you're like okay you can educate them as a coach or you can say to them right you have this goal weight in mind but just realize when we get there we can we can start with a dieting phase or, or with a weight loss phase but when we get to this particular number that you have picked arbitrarily you might not look like that if you're not a is simul simultaneously strength training or B, if you haven't already created that shape prior to wanting to lose um, the body fat, otherwise you're just going to look a little bit skinny fat or <laughs> deflated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, you know, you, you bring up another really good point before people start a diet for a contest prep, because it is so grueling, you have to spend quite a bit of time we call it off season, but if you're someone that's wanting to start, you don't, you've just been working out hard. You need to be eating enough for quite a while, six months to a year. You don't want to be someone that's dieting off and on, or you come to me with your calories low. Um, I'll use an example. Maybe a female's eating 1300 calories a day. She's been trying to diet. Maybe she's eating a little too much on the weekends and she's just kind of spinning her wheels, but five or six days a week, her calories are only at 1300. So if I need to pull 25 pounds off of somebody, I have to start, their body's used to 1300. It's not giving me enough room to create that deficit. And what happens is I have to get their calories so low. I won't do it anymore, but what would have to happen? I'd have to get their calories so low. You can't maintain, you can't stick to it anyway. I can't ask someone to eat 900 calories and be able to stick to it. Like they're going to, we're human, right? We're going to break. We're going to cheat on a diet. Same thing with a guy. If he comes to me eating 1800 calories, bro, I don't have enough room to create a deficit. And people don't know that they're not stupid. They just, they don't know. Um, they just, they're trying their best and that's the thing. So my job as a coach is to be empathetic and remember that, that was me, but I educate them. And I usually use those examples. I said, Hey, you know, I used to make that mistake myself because I just wanted to be lean. So I was dieting more often than I was for bodybuilding. You, we've got to get your calories up. We've got to practice adherence. So we need to get you on a diet that you can stick to all week, get your calories up and you're not going to gain fat. If you trust me, I can get those calories up. We call it reverse dieting. Let's reverse diet, add calories slowly, get you training, get your metabolism sped up. And, and maybe it's a female who's used to eating now 1900 calories every day and a free meal a week or something. Then after six months or so, then I can go from, you know, 1900, 2000 calories. I might start a prep on 
1600 calories, right? And we kind of carb cycle and that's a whole other podcast, but I, I have to make sure calories are in a good place. Metabolically speaking, the first book I wrote was called um, Metabolic Capacity and Reverse Dieting. And it was all about this concept, how to prime your metabolism for fat loss. Whether you're contest prepping or you're or you're someone who's been in the the dieting world for a long time and you've yo-yo dieted, it's so important to prime your metabolism before a fat loss phase. So amazing. Thank you for just reiterating that. I think people can't hear that enough or <laughs> too much, yeah. really. Um now when it comes to mindset, I mean all of this uh, implies people need to be patient if they're if they have a long-term goal, if they if they need to be patient enough to think, okay, I'm gonna build muscle for half a year, a year or two, whatever prior. I need to trust my coach, etc. What are some other character or mental traits that you see as sort of a prerequisite for for comp competitors? I can tell you what separates a really good competitor from someone who I struggle prepping. Um, usually the people, and I can find this through my check-ins, right? So when my athletes check in with me, I do check-ins twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays. Cause I, I know a lot of coaches do once a week and that's, that's fine. I like twice a week cause it keeps me ingrained in my clients. I want to know what's going on. Um, even if it's just a quick check-in and they're down a pound, I'm like, Oh, and it's Thursday. Okay, great. You're, you're going, let's see where we're at Monday. But on their check-ins, if I notice um, that they're scattered, that there's a lot of stress in the check-ins, if they're sending their check-ins on the wrong days, because, you know, Mondays and Thursdays, those are big check-in days. Like that's how my business operates. And I also put that in there because it tells me a lot about the client. It tells me a lot about the athlete. If they can't get organized enough just to send me their email and their weight and their stuff like that on Mondays and Thursdays. How do I know they're organized enough to meal prep? How do I know they're organized enough to get all their stuff done? They're probably too stressed. So the type of person that's constantly rushing around, they're, they're late to stuff or they're rushing around, they're not on time and they're not emailing on time. Those are the type of people that I notice don't always get lean enough. There's just a huge correlation. And that just comes down to um, characteristics of, of who we are and how we go about our day, whether it's business prep. But how you do one thing is how you do a lot of things with this, as I've noticed. So the people that are always organized, they're always sending me their check-in. They send me the details. They send me their pictures, you know, in the same place, the same day. Like they do all the little things. Type A's get kind of a bad rap. They shouldn't. Um, there are type A's that go above, that go beyond and they're too anal, but people with type A characteristics that are very detailed, those do the best when it comes to a contest prep. If you're stressed and you're all over the place, that tells me you're probably not staying. And I see a lot of stress there. I see more stalls. So those are the best ways to know if you're cut out for something like this. You have to be highly organized. So think about it. During contest prep, I don't want my athletes eating out because you don't know what's prepared in that food. And remember, this is for Gen Pop people listening. This is not a sustainable thing year round. Like contest prep dieting is not. So that you have to go above and beyond. So I, I tell my athletes, no eating out, prepare your food, only eat the things that you prepare or you make or you have. I allow some flexible dieting. So I, I allow them to have treats and stuff in there as long as it's got a good nutrition label. You know, if they want to have some baked chips, I, I'm 100% fine with that. It makes zero difference for fat loss. But you have to be food has to be prepped. You've got to do your cardio. You've got to do your workouts. Like you've got to have all these things ready. 
And for people that just wake up and they don't have their meals prepped and they don't take a lunchbox to work with them, they end up trying to fly by the seat of their pants. They're the ones that are trying to hit their numbers at the end of the day. And if they would have just planned, they would make much better progress. So the people that plan always make the best progress. I've just noticed that for for over a decade and a half now. I would totally agree, even just from a general population, population lifestyle coaching perspective. And I mean, uh, what you're saying with type A, totally um, agree with that. And I, I do think that even those character traits or those um, what we see there is also just a sign of what that person's priority is at the time. You yeah. know, if you are sending through your check-in, et cetera, on time, and it's not to say that not life doesn't throw you a curveball every now and then and right. um, stuff happens, your children get sick or, you know, whatever it, it, that happens. But as you say that if that always tends to be the case, or they're always making excuses for something else, then it may just not be a priority right now. And that's okay. But I think the sooner people can acknowledge that and maybe just say like, okay, actually, I just I just heard my friend was doing that contest prep and I thought I'd give it a go too um, type of thing. And then after a couple of months, you realize that's probably not feasible for you right now. You have way too much stuff going on. It's pro It's probably better just to say like, hey, what can we do right now? that's not aimed for competition, maybe just like a nice photo shoot, not trying to get to that percentage of body fat or, or of leanness, but still get you in pretty good shape, feeling good, et cetera. And then I think the expectations are completely different too. Whereas if you think you're going to do this contest prep and you think you can just like wing it or whatever um, <laughs> on the side, I don't think that that works. Yeah. No, you, you nailed it to a T. Um, everyone should go back and listen to that again. Everything you just said is so spot on. And one of the things that I always ask my folks that I'm working with, you know, if I'm working with someone in the off season, which I prefer at the end of the off season, or when we're starting to get to the end, I say, Hey, do you have everything in place in life to be able to allow for a contest prep? Because to be able to get that lean and step on stage, so many things have to be sacrificed it's very hard on relationships. First of all, like I said, I've been doing this a long time. I, it's happened to me. Like I, I know what the bodybuilding lifestyle and stepping on stage does. And it's very, very hard because other people, you have to put yourself first over a lot of things. The balance goes out the window with a contest prep because there's nothing balanced about getting on stage 4% body fat for a guy or 9% or 8% for a female you have to do cardio every day. You have to work out most days of the week. You have to prep your food. You are going to have low energy like you've never felt before. You're not going to want to have sex with your mate. Let's just talk about that, right? Because you're so tired, you can barely work out. Well, that hurts too, because your mate is like, well, you have time to work out, but you don't have, it's very tough. It's very tough. It's one of those things, like I said, I still prep a lot of athletes every year. But as I've gotten older, I think people, the more they know that going in, the more they're prepared. And even when they talk to their mate about it or their family about it, it's still hard on them. So it's not something people should do all the time. It's something where I like to see years taking off in between shows if they really like it. But the mistake I see is a lot of people get infatuated with it and they love that feeling of being on stage and the attention and looking that good. And they'll do shows every year for a long time. And the next thing you know, 
you've still got that, but you've lost a lot of other things around you, including probably your health if you compete that often. So bodybuilding is one of those beware type things. Like there's a lot of people in my world as coaches, they won't talk about it because they, this is how they make a living. I'm fortunate enough to where, yeah, I've got the other businesses, I, but I've always been a straight shooter. I'm like, I just want to tell people the truth. Like this may not be the thing for you. It's very interesting until you really know the facts behind it. Mm, yeah. And I mean, it's, it, it is a very selfish uh, act, I guess, to, to say, I'm going to do this competition and going to put my family second or, or, or just not, not um, spend as much time with them or not be able to go on vacation during the contest prep, etc. cetera. Um, another aspect I'm uh, interested in, whether that be with competitors or also just um, dieting in general, um, I'm a huge fan of, of macros and, and just in general, that kind of um, control, I guess, that it gives you as well over, over food. But some people say, hey, it can turn into something obsessive. And of course, um, coming out of several competitions or whatever, um, we can be clear that there is a lot of um, probably obsessive thinking around food after definitely right after a competition <laughs> um but probably also during other times and it might be hard to get rid of that or to counter that and to find the right balance after a dieting phase again um would you have any main advice or strategies for people so that it it becomes something more sustainable afterwards where they don't think about food all the time This, this is the golden, this is the golden thing, right? The, in this whole industry, this is the thing. This is the hardest thing. And that's issues with food when you're done dieting. So whether you're just dieting for the first time and you want to lose 20, 30 pounds and look good in a bathing suit or just look good, you know, for your kids or be healthy or you're dieting for a competition, This is science to me at the end of the day. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So if you restrict yourself from eating sugary stuff, if you like that, or maybe you like going out to eat once a week, if you restrict, the more you restrict yourself, the more when you're done, your your body's going to want, your mind is going to want those things. So is it a self-induced eating disorder? With some people it is. Um, I have not been on stage since 2010 for many reasons. One is I have businesses and speaking and all that stuff. Like, I just, I don't want to put myself through that. I don't need to. Like at this point, I'm about just trying to be successful and healthy. But one of the reasons I tell people is every time I diet, every time I've got a speaking event coming up in 12 weeks, even me at this point, I'm like, I need to be a little bit like cheeks are starting to get a little big. Like I need to, uh, I need to diet down maybe about seven, eight pounds. It'll only take me a couple months. But that level of restriction will cause me to want to eat things that I don't want to eat when I'm just normal in the off season, not dieting. So dieting does cause some issues with food. And if you're listening, it's not something to be ashamed of. It's just something to be aware of. So the one way that I reached out in 2016 to try and fix that is I wrote the book called The Flexible Fat Loss Solution. And it's how to set your macros up, protein, carbs, and fats and get the correct ratios, but also it explains how to bake in the foods that you want to eat every day and try and have some kind of balance. The healthier, here's the crux of it. The healthier that we can all eat, the better. 
as long as it doesn't cause you to have issues with food. So if you're someone that needs to eat, say you're eating four meals a day, right? If you need to eat three very healthy, quote unquote, clean meals, but you need to have something every single day, maybe you need to have those baked chips or maybe some low fat ice cream. I'm okay. Just weigh it out, measure it out and have that and have a free meal every week and, and, and treat yourself. But the more you go without doing that, the more you're going to binge eat like on a Sunday, for example. So flexible dieting is a very real thing, but in all things in the sport, you see people take it to the extreme one way or the other extreme clean eating, you know, everything non-GMO organic. That's fine if that's you, but most people can't sustain that. Then you've got the other end of it. And I feel bad because I know my book and some of my competitors promoted this. You've got eat whatever the hell you want and just make sure you count it and it will make no difference in fat loss. Now I have seen zero issues with fat loss with people eating ice cream and pop tarts and cereal. Like I've had people shredded on stage as long as they counted it. The bad part is, is what's, what's their blood work look like? You know, is inflammation up? Do they have gut health issues? Like there's all these other things that can be caused. So the whole thing is, is eat as healthy as you can. If you need something, go ahead and have it and don't beat yourself up over it. But dieting is so hard. It's so, I dread dieting because I know now I don't go binge eat and like eat myself sick. Right. But I would back when I first started doing this every Sunday, like by nine o'clock at night on Sunday, I'm going to be massively full and, and hating everything I just did, but I would eat perfect all week just so I could get to Sunday and just massively eat whatever I wanted. And, you know, it's some form that's an eating disorder. So it's, you've got to find that balance that there's so much balance, then that's where bodybuilding preps take balance out of it because you have to go to the extreme. So there's no balance there. Absolutely. I I love that approach where you say practicing to bring um, smaller portions of what you want or whatever in your day-to-day -day life. And I think that that can really help stir people away from that all or nothing thinking or from that feeling guilty or feeling good or, or calling foods good or bad or, or whatever, because technically it is all just calories or, or macros. But yeah, of course, we want to create a healthy basis in terms of um, micronutrients and, and the things that support our hormones. So I'm absolutely on the same page. But I like that you pointed out also that contest prep, once again, is something extreme. And even um, with our GenPop clients, um, we do practice flexible dieting and, and with macros as well. But nonetheless, um, even if I say, hey, this should feel somewhat sustainable, but you are wanting to lose weight. So by definition, we need to eat less than what your body actually wants or is is burning. And um, it's going to try mentally and physically to get that back because it doesn't like to get away from its um, yes. homeostasis. So there are those two components. And then, of course, you have the habit component, you have the social aspect and all of these things kind of working a little bit against you. So while technically it should be something sustainable-ish, do know that this is a limited amount of time until we get to your goal weight. And then with a strategic reverse diet and really, you know, building that back up slowly, um, you can sustain it in the end. Yeah, a hundred percent. And one thing, if you don't mind me adding, you mentioned hunger. And I think that's something I, I've posted a lot about this. I email my clients about this all the time. Some people, you know, they say, Hey, I'm really, I'm, I'm hungry. Like I'm starting to get hungry and they look at it like it's a bad thing. Uh, people should change their mindset on hunger because 
hunger one is part of dieting Two, hunger is a great sign actually, because you're not starving. Like that's, we all know people in countries that are starving. We're going to need, we're going to eat our next perfectly prepped cooked meal in a couple hours or an hour or whatever. Like we're not starving. Um, but we're a little uncomfortable because our body is saying, Hey, I need more fuel. I don't like dieting. I don't want to do this. Hunger is a sign that your body fat levels are going down. So when we eat our, our body sends this hormone called leptin sends a signal to our brain says, Hey, I'm full. I'm satiated. Right. And it's made primarily in the fat cells. So when we diet, our fat cells get smaller we produce less leptin. So when we eat, we get less of a signal to our brain that says, Hey, I'm full and satiated. So when you start to feel hunger shooting up, that's your body, your body fat is going down. That's a great sign. That's what we're doing. So people have to remember hunger and dieting and they're married, like they're married. You, you can't, you can't, you can't break them up. Like that one's for life. So like, there's no divorce from hunger and um, dieting. So just look at it and embrace it. I tell my my friends that. Now, contest prep dieting is so extreme. You eat and an hour later, you feel like you just want to chew your arm off. And that <laughs> takes a special mental ability to get through. Um, I struggle with that personally at the end. I got pretty shredded for my shows, but I could have lost another three or four pounds. It was hard for me at the end. I, I, I did. I cheated on my diet a little bit. I broke that hunger is just another level of suffering that you have to accept going in. Gen pop, if you're just trying to diet and be healthy, you're going to experience some hunger, but it's never going to be that questioning why you're doing what you're doing hunger. Just embrace it. Know that it's a, it's a good thing. There are other little things that help crush hunger. I'm drinking a, it's a small monsters, low caffeine in this, but like carbonated drinks will help keep hunger down. Um, decaf coffee or just coffee in general helps blunt hunger. Sugar-free jello is a nice, uh, very low calorie. It's mostly gelatin. So it's mostly a protein. You don't have to worry about that too much. Um, jello helps. It just puts something in your stomach to give you a little bit of relief, but that's not super high calories. Mm -hmm. Um, having veggies with every meal and keeping veggies. I don't, I, Try and tell my clients, don't just go crazy on the veggies one day because it's going to throw your digestion off. Your scale is going to be up and we don't know what's going on. But having veggies with meals helps slow the digestion down. So it helps keep you satiated longer. So there are little tips and tricks, but the best one is just embrace the hunger because the more you focus on how hungry you are, the worse it's going to get because you're actually focused on it. Absolutely. And I mean, there are a lot of studies on that as well. Like what we tell ourselves, if it, whether it's, oh, I'm so tired or oh, I'm, I'm, I hate this or whatever, that's what you believe. Yeah. So in the end, you know, if you tell yourself constantly how hungry you are, you're just going to feel hungrier. Mental, sure. mental toughness. And listen, it's easy for me to sit here and say right now on a podcast because I'm not dieting and super, super hungry. Um, but we all go through it. And, you know, it just depends on how bad you want it. But if you understand it, it helps. Awesome. Well, John, thank you so much for your time and all your valuable information. I want to honor your time. So um, if you just want to give us, um, I guess, uh, your, uh, again, your Instagram handle, I believe was team underscore Gorman. Is that correct? Yep. They can find me there. Um, I'm on Facebook at John Gorman. Um, if they want to check out the supplement company, just Google fat muscle project, P H A T 
uh, there's a contact us there. So I, I don't know if you put anything in the show notes, but my email is fine too. I'm, I'm, I'm not someone that's just going to try and sell you. If you contact, if you have questions about anything ever, just shoot me an email. I answer, I don't go to bed with an, with an email in my inbox. So I'm a workhorse. Uh, my shirt here says outwork everyone. It's I'm a, I, I love working. So feel free to hit me up with messages or questions or anything like that. Lovely. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, or share the episode on social. Very much appreciated. You can also follow us on Instagram at Nutrition Coaching and Life or head to our website, www.nutritioncoachingandlife.com, where we provide more valuable content. Have a wonderful day. Now go out and work on your best self.